Hello, my name is Edmund, and this is Contract Law. We are doing discharge of contracts. We have talked about frustration of contracts, and we mentioned the seminal case of Krell and Henry and Morgan and Manser. And we are here to talk about mere inconvenience, hardship, or financial loss not sufficient to render a contract frustrated. It is important to note that an event which causes serious inconvenience, hardship or financial loss or even delay in the performance of the obligation under the contract is not of itself sufficient to constitute frustration of the contract. In Davis Contractors Limited and Fairham UDC, the plaintiff agreed to build 78 houses for the defendant within eight months for a fixed price. Due to bad weather, shortage of labor and slow demobilization after the war, the work took 22 months and, and cost £17,000 more than was anticipated by the contract. The plaintiff contended that the contract had been frustrated. Applying the test, the court held that the contract was not frustrated. Now, another case of Barclays Bank Limited and Sakari. The plaintiff bank granted the defendant its long-standing customer a loan of over 2 million CDs, payable within 22 months, for the purpose of two Mercedes-Benz trucks required for the operation of the defendant's business. On receiving the loan, the defendant, without the consent of the bank, used the loan to purchase a Sora, a Sora tanker instead of the Mercedes-Benz trucks as agreed, by the bank, as agreed with the bank. A week after the purchase of the tanker, the tanker was seized by the government on the grounds that Sora vehicles were to be exclusively used by the state and not individuals. The loan remained unpaid. Some years later, the bank brought action against the defendant for the recovery of the loan and accrued interest. The defendant pleaded the common law defense of frustration of the loan agreement arising from the unexpected seizure of the Sora tanker by the government. The High Court held that it was not; it was a term of the loan agreement that the defendant was to operate the Sora tanker and repay the loan from its proceeds. The loan agreement was frustrated by the seizure of the tanker by the government. The plaintiff appealed and the court of appeal upheld the court a high court decision and the plaintiff then appealed to the supreme court the supreme court held that at, the, at common law the doctrine of frustration would be applicable where an external event of some kind not the responsibility of either party rendered further performance of the contract impossible or radically different from what had been contracted for so the supreme court noted that now, what is the obligation created under this contract, this loan contract, a breach of which would entitle the other to sue? The obligation of the bank was to advance the money, which it did, and that of the defender was to pay the loan together with the interest, if any. Thus, by not paying the money, he had frustrated, he had um, breached the contract, and he couldn't have been frustrated by government seizing the shorter tracks. Another issue is whether high rate of inflation could frustrate a contract arose in the case of Staffordshire Area Health Authority and South Staffordshire Waterworks. So just say Staffordshire Health and Staffordshire Waterworks. In that case, a contract was entered into in 1929 under which the Defendants agreed at all times thereafter to supply water to a hospital at a fixed price of seven pence per thousand gallons. Now, in 50 years, 1958, 1978, 
The equivalent cost of supplying the water was about 20 times the contract price. The defendants brought, purported to terminate the contract by giving six months notice. The Court of Appeal held that on the true construction of the contract, the defendants were entitled to terminate the contract upon giving reasonable notice. Also, there could be changes in law which render performance illegal. Now, in general, it is accepted that governmental intervention by way of legislation or change in policy which renders the performance of the contract impossible or illegal results in the frustration of the contract. In Denny, Moat and Dickinson versus Fraser, it was held that a contract for the sale of goods to be shipped from abroad to an English port was frustrated if supervening legislation prohibited the importation of goods of that description. It was stated in that case that it is plain that a contract to do what has become illegal cannot be legally enforceable. There cannot be, there cannot be default in not doing what the law forbids to be done. In the case of R.T. Briscoe, versus ACN. The plaintiffs claimed £17,748 as the value of equipment and balance of cash advances given to the defendant, a timber merchant, for the supply of logs of timber. The defendant pleaded that while he was performing the contract legislation, the, co the contract legislation came into force which declared the Ghana Timber Marketing Board the sole buyer of Ghana Wawa and Redwoods. The performance of the said contract was thus rendered impossible and it was held that both the plaintiffs and defendants were discharged by frustration. Now, does the doctrine of frustration apply to leases? For a long time, the common law took the view that leases fell outside the purview of the doctrine of frustration since it was believed that the doctrine of frustration could never apply to leases. This view was based on the argument that a lease creates not a mere contract but also transferred to the leasee an estate or a property interest. The position therefore was that this estate for or property interest conveyed to the leasee continued regardless of any changes in the circumstances and therefore if the property was requisitioned by the government, burnt down by fire or taken over by the enemy action, the lease was not thereby frustrated. With time, however, this position has been abandoned by the courts and it is now accepted that the doctrine of frustration in appropriate circumstances could apply to leases. Now let's look at the case of Cricklewood Property and Investment Trust Limited and Leighton's Investment Trust Limited. Leighton's is L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N-S, Leighton's. Cricklewood Property and Investment Trust and Leighton's Investment Trust. A building lease was granted in 1936 to the leases for a term of 99 years for the building of shops. Before any buildings could be erected, the war of 1939 broke out and the government restrictions made it impossible for the leases to erect the shops they had covenanted to build. The leases alleged that the contract had been frustrated. It was held by the majority of the House of Lords that even though the, property, the, the doctrine of frustration could apply to a lease, this particular lease was not frustrated by these events. The court was of the view that since the lease still had 90 years to run and the interruption in performance was likely to last only for a small fraction of the term, the entire lease could not be deemed to have been frustrated. But listen to the an opposite case of national carriers and pinalpina northern limited 
It involved the lease of a warehouse for 10 years. After five years of the term, had, of the term which had run, the local authority closed the street, giving only access to the warehouse because of the dangerous condition of a building opposite. It was likely that the closure would last about 18, 18 months, so it closed the only access to the warehouse okay, and to last for 18 months, leaving the lease three more years to run. This caused severe disruption of a plaintiff's business and the use of the warehouse. The court held that the lease was still not frustrated. Right? In this case, the House of Lords stated conclusively that the doctrine of frustration must be applicable to all kinds of contracts to ensure uniformity in the law of contracts and there was no special reason why the doctrine should not apply to leases the court made the point however that it would be relatively rare for the doctrine to apply in practice to frustrate a lease however it appears that if events occur which make it impossible for the lease to the lessee to use the premises for the intended purpose for example if in the Cricket Wood case, the legislation had been passed prohibiting the erection of buildings on such land altogether rather than just for a short time, it is likely that the case would have been deemed to be frustrated. Now let's look at self-induced frustration. One essential point about frustration is that the doctrine of frustration applies only where performance of the contract becomes impossible after the fault, without the fault of either party. The rule, therefore, is that a party cannot rely on a self-induced frustration as discharging him from performance. In other words, a party cannot claim to be discharged by a frustrating event for which he is himself responsible. In fact, where a party causes the event in question, the contract is not frustrated, but the party is deemed to be in breach of contract. In Maritime National Fish Limited and Ocean Trawlers Limited, the appellants charted the respondent's trawler for use in the fishing industry for about for a period of 12 months. Both parties knew that the vessel could only be used with an otter trawl and that it was an offense to use the vessel with the otter trawl without a license from the minister. The appellants who were operating five trawlers applied for five licenses but were granted only three and asked to and asked to name the three trawlers. They named the three trawlers other than the, the one they had charted from the respondents. Then they sought to rely on the failure to obtain a license as a ground of frustration of the contract. It was held that the appellants could not rely on the lack of license as the cause of the frustration of the contract because it was self-induced. If they had wanted to, they could have named then the, the vessel that they are charted from the respondents as the ones that they applied their license for. So they had uh, self-induced. Now, in Joseph Constantine Steamship and Imperial Smelting Corporation, the event which occurred was an explosion in a ship which prevented the ship owners from delivering the ship to the charterers according to the terms of their contract. The charterers claimed damages, arguing that the frustrating event, which is an explosion, was self-induced. It was not possible to say whether the explosion was caused through the fault of the ship owners or not. It may or may not have been the fault of the ship owners. The House of Lords held that the burden of proof lay on the charterers, the plaintiffs, who alleged that the frustration was self-induced to show that the ship owners were at fault. And since the plaintiff could not prove this, the action failed. Now, what are the consequences of frustration? Now, frustration does not render the contract void ab initio. 
the rule at common law is that the occurrence of a frustrating event brings the contract to an end with forthwith and it is automatic in its effect. It must be noted that in the case of frustration, the contract is terminated as to the future only. Frustration does not render the, vo the contract void ab initio. Thus, the contract starts out as a valid one but ends automatically when the frustrating event occurs. Thus, the effect of the frustration is that it discharges both parties from further, further, that means future performance of the contract. The principle which follows from this is that each party remains under a duty to fulfill his contractual obligations which have become due or accrued before the frustrating event. Now, let's look at the case of Chandler and Webster. In this case, the plaintiff agreed to hire a room from the defendant for a purpose of viewing the coronation procession. The price was £141, payable immediately. The plaintiff paid £100, but before he paid the balance, the coronation was cancelled and the contract was thereby frustrated. The plaintiff brought action to recover the £100 he had paid. It was held that not only could the plaintiff not recover the £100 he had already paid, he was also liable to pay the balance of £41 which he owed under the contract before it became frustrated. The plaintiff's argument that he was entitled to recover the £100 paid on the ground of total failure of consideration was rejected by the court. The court came to the conclusion by applying the principles stated above, since the obligation to pay the £141 had become due before the frustrating event occurred, the plaintiff had to pay it as, as it was supposed to, to be paid. Now, let's look at a case. It's called the Fibrosa case because the name, you can't spell it. Fibrosa Spoka Axigenia versus Febarin Lawson Combabo Limited. If you can you can remember this, like, voila, voila. but just say Fibrosa case, the Fibrosa case. In this case, an English company agreed to sell certain machinery to a Polish company for the price of £4,800. Delivery was to be made in three or four months. The Polish company had paid only £1,000 out of the £4,800. When the war broke out, the contract had become frustrated. Now, the Polish company sued for the return of £1,000 they had paid to the English company. The court held that the plaintiffs, the Polish company, was entitled to recover the £1,000 they had paid because there was a total failure of consideration in that the plaintiffs got nothing for the money they had paid. The House of Lords Lords reversed the decision in Chandler and Webster, stating that the conclusion of Collins MR in that case, that the doctrine of failure of consideration did not apply where the contract was frustrated was wrong. The principle which emerged from the Fibrosa case, therefore, was that where money is paid to secure performance of a contract and performance fails as a result of the frustration of a contract, the party who paid can recover the amount if there is a total failure of consideration. Even after the House of Lords decision in the Fibrosa case, the state of the common law on the effect of frustration was still unsatisfactory for two reasons. According to the principle established in the Fibrosa case, money which had been paid under a frustrated contract was recoverable only if there had been a total failure of consideration. This means that if the consideration had been partly performed, the principle would not apply. And the party who had already paid would not recover any part of his money. Two, 
Secondly, the, the application of the principle in Fibrosa may be unfair to one party who had spent money in beginning to perform the contract if he is required to refund to the other party the whole of the amount paid to him in advance. For example, in the, if the English company in the Fibrosa case had expended money in building the machinery, they would have been left with a, a lot of useless half-built machinery on their hands with no compensation for the money they had spent in building in beginning to perform the contract because the war had broken out. Now, in view of these loopholes in the state of in the state of common law on the consequences of frustration, the legislature in Ghana has intervened by enacting specific provisions in the Contract Act 1960, Act 25, to deal with the rights and obligations of the parties to a contract which has become frustrated. Now, it states that in section 1 to 3, it says, where a contract has become frustrated and the parties thereto have for that reason been discharged from the further performance of the contract, all sums paid are payable to any party in pursuance of the contract before the time when the parties were so discharged shall in the case of some so paid be recoverable from him and in the case of sums payable cease to be payable so money that you have paid already and the contract has been frustrated you can recover it but money that you are supposed to pay but the contract has been frustrated you you won't pay because there will be no consideration for it right? however the rule is subject to section one two the rule it, it, the, the 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 operation of the rule in section one two is however subject to the provision in section one three which states where a party has incurred expenses before the time of discharge in or for the purpose of the performance of the contract the court may allow him to recover or to retain out of any sum received by him under the contract such amount if any not exceeding the expenses so incurred or the total sum payable to him under the contract as the court may consider just having regard to all the circumstances of the case it means that if um you are supposed we, you and i are supposed to have a contract for thousand uh, Ghana CDs right and then you paid me 500 CDs as start then I use 100 CDs to to start the contract I'll pay you that 500 CDs back but subtract my 100 CDs and any other cost that I had I have uh, incurred that's the import of section 1-3 okay so section 1-2 um, says money's pay, pay, payable um, monies that have been paid can be recovered those that are payable will not be recovered but one three says that um, if you have incurred any loss then you can subtract that from the monies that have been paid the import of section one to three of the contracts at we deal with the consequences of frustration of contract can be summed up as follows first when a contract is deemed to have been frustrated, both parties are discharged from further performance of the contract. That's section 1-1. Secondly, all sums paid to any party under the contract before the frustration of the contract and the discharge of the parties are recoverable by the party who paid them. Section 1-2. 3. All sums payable or due to be paid to any party under the contract before the time of discharge cease to be payable. Section 1-2. However, a party who has spent money on the performance of the contract can recover from the other party an amount which should not exceed its expenses or the total sum payable under the contract, section 1-3. 
In computing the expenses incurred by the party, the court may include overhead costs, cost of personal services rendered, etc. However, insurance receipts are to be ignored by the court except where there is an obligation to insure under that contract, that's section 1-3. The provisions in part 1 of the contract are do not apply to any charter party except a time charter party or to any contract for the carriage of goods by sea. Also, the provisions of part 1 do not apply to contracts of insurance. 7. According to section 3, the parties can agree expressly as to what should be the effect of the frustration of the contract they have made. If that is done, what provisions should those provisions should be applied and not the provisions of this act? 8. Where it appears to the court that a part of any contract which has been wholly performed before the time of discharge can properly be severed from the remainder of the contract, the court shall treat that part of the contract as if it were a separate contract and had not been frustrated and, and shall treat section 1 as only applicable to the remainder of the contract. I hope we understand this. In RT Briscoe Ghana Limited and ACN, the plaintiffs claimed 17,784.145 Great Britain pounds as the value of equipment and balance of cash advances given to the defendant, a timber merchant for the supply of logs. The defendant pleaded that while he was performing the contract, legislation came into force which declared the Ghana Timber Marketing Board the sole buyer of Ghana Wawa and Redwoods. The performance of the said contract was thus rendered impossible and subsequently both the plaintiffs and defendants were discharged by frustration. The court held 1. By section 1 of the contract Act 1960 Act 25, where a contract is frustrated, monies paid thereunder are recoverable subject to a deduction by reasonable expenses for, for a, a, a deduction for reasonable expenses incurred in the performance of the contract. Two, although the defendant incurred some expenses in obtaining a timber concession and in preparing some logs for the plaintiffs before the contract was frustrated, those expenses could be recovered when the logs were sold to the Ghana Timber Marketing Board. The defendant could recover the expenses twice and would be unjustly enriched if he was allowed to retain those expenses out of the sums paid to him by the plaintiffs. The expenses contemplated by Section 1, Subsection 3 of Act 25 were those which must have benefited the plaintiffs. This brings us to the end of discharge of contract. We move on to remedies.